There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company. And the truth shall set you free! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Great moments are born in great opportunity. God, is that not the best fucking intro? God, I love it every shout, time. Shout out to Justin. Great job in production. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you guys can see us while the uh, intro is playing, but we're over here mouthing the great lines, uh, especially yeah. Liar Liar. Still my my absolute favorite. All right, well, guys, welcome back to, uh, what is this, the On Justice podcast now? Uh, On Justice podcast, on little rebrand, little, little shorter. Little, little rebrand, you know. Not Still with not, John, still with still Jordan. Still John, still, still Jordan. On Justice. Still On Justice, but a little shorter. So uh, we're we're finally back. Uh, you know, we got we were in Vegas. We filmed the last episode. We're kind of back in studio. Um, you know, gonna gonna kind of freestyle a little bit today. Not not really much on the agenda, uh, but we do have one kind of kind of interesting update for us. Just uh, kind of as the firm for those who are listening, that you know we are. For those of you who don't know, obviously we're Florida Georgia. Um, you know, we're like the like the band, but we're lawyers. You know. Um, we, I actually am a licensed attorney in the in the U.S. Virgin Islands, right? St. Thomas, St. John's, and St. Croix, and <clears throat> we've kind of come into an opportunity to expand. You know, I've been a lawyer down there ten years, probably handled a you know a handful of cases, but we have an opportunity to expand. Well, what does that mean? We're going to be essentially subsuming a practice there, um, subsuming employees, you know, everything, and then kind of really establishing ourselves as the hopefully would be the go-to lawyers for injury claims in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, you know, it's pretty exciting, um, you know. so it brings- well, That's an understatement. I'm jacked, man. I mean, this is, I'm not even licensed there yet. I'm, I'm moving to get admitted. But even just having you there uh, pursue this opportunity for us as a firm, this is one of the most exciting things that's happened in many years for me because when I moved to Georgia, it was partly a, a personal decision. It was partly a business decision for us, but it was like, an unknown venture, we decided, hey, let's just go expand and and we'll try and see what happens. This one was like opportunity came knocking, uh, admittedly off the heels of something that is less than fortunate, but nevertheless, somebody had to come in and help fix this situation, i.e. acquire this practice or talk to these clients and, and try and help them out. And this is one of those like opportunity came knocking and we were ready. I mean, you specifically, I mean, you've been licensed, like you said, going on 10 years. And we've just never focused on cases there for a lot of different reasons, primarily because we weren't located there. But here we are with an existing client base, an ongoing pipeline for what seems like rock star employees who are willing to, to stay on and continue the journey. And I couldn't be more excited. I mean, really, this is the exact type of expansion that I think most firms would dream about. So I feel very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, obviously... Um you know, not to have like a somber moment, but it, it comes on the backs of there was a tragic incident involving another lawyer. He passed. So obviously it, it, it's a tragic circumstance that, you know, but, you know, sometimes out of tragedy can be born opportunity. And, and so we're... Well, but, and, it, you know, let's just be real. It's more than opportunity for us. It's an opportunity for the clients to not get lost yeah. in the shuffle. Yeah. Right. I mean, you've got dozens of people, all with legitimate claims, all with an expectation of adequate representation. They were happy with who they had that person's no longer available, what happens? I mean, you know, that's a very stressful thing for the client. So I think the expedience that you've shown or demonstrated to step in, I mean, you flew down there, you took Aaron, met everybody and started just building that bridge almost instantly. Uh, kudos to you for doing that because that's a sacrifice of time and energy. But 
I'm sure the clients already immediately feel at ease, and that's important. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's like I'm already I already met with clients. I've probably had five client, excuse me, phone calls like today since I've been back. But when I was there in person, I met with at least I think like at least five clients. Met with them, one of which I was going through interrogatories. You know, like that's how quickly I've jumped into these cases. And and you know, I think I actually signed up a, a client when I was there. We met with them in an auto crash case. Uh, there on island. So it's, you know, it, it, we're able to do two things. One is, so my, my familiarity with some of the you know procedural requirements is not as, as up to par as it is in Florida. So, you know, when you think about like firms and you're expanding into a new jurisdiction, even if you're, you may be in pro hoc or trying another case, like, you know, one of the most important things we want to look at is like, like what is the procedure and what are the jury instructions? Like those are the two things that I care about because those are what can, if you know the procedure and you know what your jury instructions are, you know what you got to prove. Like I, th- I feel like you can handle any, any jurisdiction, any, you know, any case. So that's kind of what I'm doing now is just getting kind of a refresher because the last case I think I litigated was maybe two years ago where, you know, ensued in a premises case, um, yeah, but you'll, and you'll get proficient, you know, and I think this is a good lesson in like, just because there's an opportunity doesn't mean you have to say no. I think there's a lot of people who make fear-based, uh, fear-driven decisions, fear-based decisions. And what I mean is I can't say with a high degree of confidence that another lawyer or a smaller firm that got presented this opportunity would have actually jumped on, you know, jumped in uh, yeah. as quickly as you did on our behalf because there's a lot of fear with that. Well, I don't know how many clients, where is it, you know, who are the employees, I don't know. It's been a while since I touched a file down there. You know, there's a lot of people who might turn the other way. And I think you have a healthy appetite uh, from a risk management standpoint, as do I. And I think this is just one of those things where the risk is worth the reward more just than monetary, but like expanding, putting roots down in another jurisdiction and giving us an opportunity to help people in a new place. So come on, man. Shout out to you. We're cowboys. We've always been cowboys. I'm always going to be a cowboy. I'm like, so you're telling me I can come in there and take over practice and be established and basically what what my hopes and aspirations are to be like the lawyer there? Why would I not jump at that? I mean, you know, an opportunity to go to a small, you know, a small pond, be the big fish. I mean, that that to me is, you know, can provide tremendous value. And and yeah, like I, when I went down there, <clears throat> opening, having to learn how to like open my business again, um, had to be licensed. I actually applied to license. They called me and said, oh, I know you paid for this, but we actually eliminated that requirement seven years ago. So, I mean, well, that's a lot's changed. It's been 10 years. And, and so it's interesting. And yeah, just going in, you know, the clients are excited. You know, they had an opportunity to speak and I'm speaking with every single one and their, and their clients from some of them are all over the country, you know, because they were either on vacation or, and some are locals. And so you're, you know, <clears throat> but you find out what kind of like the core values of like human beings in different locations, right? Like what is, what matters to people here in Florida is not the same as what matters necessarily to people in Georgia or, you know, Texas or New Mexico, California, right? It's all different. And I got, I got asked kind of an interesting question. I was meeting with a lawyer and he was deciding whether he wanted to go with me or go with another lawyer. And he just asked me, you know, plan out was like, look, would, do you think you're a good person? Which is a weird question. Like who am I to, to, to judge whether or not I'm an individual that's a good person. I'd like to believe that I am, you know, but, you know, there's some people that may disagree with that. Some people may be like, Fisher's an asshole, but that's not true. Um, and, you know, it depends on if you're my four-year-old son. But <laughs> <clears throat> the, the, the idea is I said, look, I, I would hope to believe and say, look, I'm going to always put client's interest first. I'm going to do what's in your best interest. And I think others around me would describe myself as being a good person. So it's, finding out like these are the some of the nicest people 
they care about everyone, you know, and what does that mean? And, you know, there's a lot of big jury verdicts, right? This is a jurisdiction. I think it was like the, the I remember talking like, and obviously this was years ago, it was like the U.S. Virgin Islands, and there's a particular jurisdiction in like New York, in the city, they just give massive jury verdicts. And, you know, obviously we're seeing an uptick in, in verdicts overall coming out of COVID. So, look, even if it's pure rumor mill uh, or whispers, I'm excited to see the first time you try a case to see what the outcome is because of that. Uh, Lord knows we get enough adversity here in the continental United States at times with litigation issues, trial issues. So, I mean, a new jury pool, new, new jurists, new judges on the bench, it, new clients. It's a really exciting opportunity. I, I can't wait to uh, you know to get my application submitted and hopefully get admitted to the bar so I can help you. But I'm sitting here as you're talking and I'm like, shit, maybe this was inevitable in some ways. I mean, we didn't plan for this, but that almost proves my point. When I met you, you were licensed there. That's where Jill and I went on our honeymoon, St. Thomas. Uh, our first associate as a firm, as a partnership, was Elroy John, a native of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here we are all these years later and like it just gets presented. So maybe it was, I don't want to say destiny, but maybe it was just in the cards. So. Yeah, I, I think it was. I mean, it's like, it's like fortuitous, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's cool. I, I don't know what else to say. It's like, cool. It's an opportunity something new. Maybe I'm going to move and live there. And I mean, how great. Well, would let's, that be? I mean, there's, let's talk about, there's no downside in my mind, but let's talk about, the practical element because a lot of our viewers are going to be other lawyers who are either working at a firm, maybe run their own firm or aspire to do it. So there's another side of this, um, which is logistics, right? There, it's a, it's another location. It's a, it's a flight away. You're not driving over there. It's four new employees that we have to meet on board, make them feel comfortable, have them assimilate into our system, right? How we, how we speak our acronyms, whatever. So there's, there's that, um, not to mention the clients, right? And getting them client uh, comfortable with, generally speaking, being remote. I mean, we've got boots on the ground there, but you right now are the only lawyer who can handle cases and you don't reside there. So even though you'll be back and forth, you've got to deal with that. So I think this is a really good lesson where it's like, I, my father used to have a bunch of sayings about stress, but the truth is, you know, if you boil them all down, he, he would really say, just find the good stress because you can't really avoid it in life, at least in your professional life. This is a good stress. This is a good challenge. This is a good opportunity for us, you know, even though it's going to require a lot more work, time, energy, money, you know, to lay out. I think this is one of those things where it's like, I'm up for the challenge, you're up for the challenge. And I think we're going to look back doing another episode three years from now and say, wow, like what a, what a life-changing opportunity this was. And speaking of changing, I know we, we don't, we haven't talked about it yet publicly, but we're going to be doing a little rebranding for our firm. Gone will be the FR trial lawyers, ABCD1856.com, um, that URL that you and I picked so many years ago uh, and that we've been working with. But every time, I don't know about you, every time someone's like, what's your email? I'm like, that's oh, Jordan at, okay, you ready? Stay with me. So we're going to, we're changing to yourchampions.com, which I'm pumped about. Uh, not just because it's a shorter, you know, more easily to understand URL and domain, but because I think it actually speaks to the people who will read it about who we are and how we how we view ourselves for people, being their champion, being their advocate, you know, being able to stand up for them. So I'm very excited for that. Hopefully, by the first of the year, we'll be able to do some of that rebranding too. Yeah, and then we'll have some great um, 
Fisher commercials out there, you know? I'm going to be... <laughs> I, gotta I bring so, those back. <laughs> well, you got to think about, like, dude, with a champion, you can have so many different ideas, right? You can be, like, a knight fighting the dragon when the dragon's the evil insurance company. Like, so we went to, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, we talked about we were at Travel University, but there's Daryl Isaacs. He's a lawyer up in Ohio, Kentucky, um, and he is... You know, an individual that has done a lot of marketing, a lot of videos, actually does Super Bowl commercials. You know, if you have a chance, go look it up. He's got some some funny ones, you know, and what he does, he always talks about the big insurance companies and they and they call it like the hair is like insurance zombies, right? And there's one where he's they're talking about the story and they're like, the ship's coming in, they're like, it's insurance zombies. And the guy turns around and they're bringing small checks. You know, and that's his thing. And then they're literally zombies with small insurance. It's a commercial, small insurance checks. And then right. he comes in and he's the hammer and he he gets some big checks. And so, you know, I'm not probably going to go to that extent, but I think from a marketing branding, you know, that that it works. And what he what he says is, you know, kind of like in our business, the one thing you got to be mindful of is with your clients being top of mind, right? Like you can have a client, and what he says, you can have a client you get a million dollar, multi-million dollar recovery for, and then they may have something else happen or a family member. And if you're not top of mind, they're going to go to somebody else. Right. And so, th so his biggest thing is trying to stay top of mind, do reaching out to your clients, you know, keeping them, you know, if they send a case in, sending them like a video or if it's their birthday, like a personal video, just saying, you know, it, you know, it's it, some, some say we're, we're in the business of helping people, but right. it's a business. Right. I mean, I, I have struggled for years because there's an in, there's a natural turmoil there, a conflict because you want to help people. I mean, I'm a fucking former public defender. I got paid peanuts. It was glorified pro bono work with a little change. And I was totally happy. You know, I just love to help people. And I still do. And we all do. And everybody we hire, that's like, you know, filter number one to see or screening question number one, if we can ascertain that. But at the end of the day, you're right, it's a business. And I was talking to my wife not too long ago about this kind of conflict. And she said something uh, pretty, I was pretty enlightened by it. She basically said, yeah, it's a business. Like at the end of the day, revenue is generated. You're trying to make profit. But when people get hurt or God forbid somebody's killed, they need a lawyer. So you're, you're not like selling somebody a service that they don't need, Right. You're, you're offering a service to someone in need. So as long as they have that need and as long as you're willing to fulfill it with top-notch customer service, and I think we do a really good job with that, and as long as you still feel confident that with each client, you're reasonably speaking in, in the best or one of the best positions to deliver the best outcome for them, then you're doing them a service too. And so this gets back to your point, like touching base with clients after you've closed a case you know, clients, the, the files closed, the checks have been cut. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the client's satisfied, but it's like, you're right. These people may know somebody who just like them, just like they were, they're going to need a lawyer. Right. And it's no longer about, I used to look at it through the lens of like, ah, oh, it's like tacky. It's cheesy. Like, you know, I don't want to perpetuate or do anything to even suggest that we're even close to an ambulance chaser type because we're really not. We're not. And the people who really spend time with us and learn how we practice would know that about us. If you want to judge us on the surface, I can't help you. But to your point, if we stay top of mind with former clients, they're going to always remember, oh, shit, these guys were great. Keel was great. That whole team is fucking great. So the next time they hear somebody's in need, they're going to broker their services to us, hopefully, and we can do the same we can make the same positive impact in their life. So I'm all for it. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's interesting is that 
not every client's ex- like like the definition of success for individuals can mean so many different things, right? And I think the same is true for clients. Some clients, you know, if they want they wanted a, they want a fast resolution, right? And if you get something done for them quickly, they're like, "Wow, that was amazing." Right. Some other ones are like, look, they're not they're in it for not just expedience, but they want to see like a large recovery. You get that from them. They're like, wow, that's amazing. And, and some people just want to have an op, somebody to, to hear them. Right. Yep. Like the idea of lawyers is like and I even tell this people sometimes is like I think we forget, like, even though we're, we're we are agents of the client, we're kind of it's a service position. Like you work in service of them, you know, and I think some lawyers tend to forget that. And it's like that's why you hear that. You know, I can't speak to my lawyer or I'm just in a box because they're just well, like, look, I think you're it's a- the law firms that commoditize clients and yeah. treat them just like a number. And I don't give a fuck. I, I, the truth is that's how many, I'll just say many, or at least other firms I've heard operate. And I can't change that. I don't even need to change that. I think it's unfortunate, but I can't change that. That's not my mission. But to your point, as long as our clients know that we're serving their needs, that that's our priority. I mean, dude, how many former clients do we still talk to? I mean, the reality is I just, I speak to one or two on a regular basis. Sometimes I'm like, when the hell is that case over with? When I hang up the phone, because it's like talking to a friend. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you build relationships with people. They share intimate details of their life. You've seen how their life has changed before and after. Um, what are you supposed to do? Just lay that aside and forget about them because the case is over. You know, I have a heart. I'm a human. So, you know, it's not going to be the case with every client. Some people, it is more transactional for them. They've been hurt. They expect you to deliver for them, and once you do, they're done, and that's fine. There's no problem with that either, but the point is, I think, being open and receptive and keeping that relationship going even beyond the close of their case, not just because they may present another business opportunity, but that's the right thing to do in a lot of cases, right? I mean, we don't need to name names, and we shouldn't, but there are former clients I know that you still reach out to, and their lives have been substantially improved. Maybe they they don't have to work anymore, right? They're retired. And even if it's just a quick touch point, you know, it's really nice for them to know that you still care. Yeah, man, we do. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I try to, I mean, that's why, you know, when we have cases where we have lost, <coughs> excuse me, we have, we have had like a gut-wrenching experience because of how much we are invested in, not in the winning, right? Because you can, I mean, I love to win, but I'm invested in the client. And so when the client doesn't get a good result, that what hurts me the most. It's like they had to go through this whole experience. They had to be judged. They had to be questioned. They had to be interrogated. They had to be, you know, looked down upon for bringing a claim. And then it's like to, to, to go through all that and not be successful, sometimes it's like you feel like it was like a disservice to them. But at the end of the day, if they weren't offering money and weren't paying money, you're really doing a good service. So it's, you know, it's difficult um, I think we can do service like something that is perhaps, perhaps underappreciated. I don't know because I haven't worked in every firm in Florida and Georgia, but I get the sense that prospective clients, before they decide which law firm to hire, you know, a lot of them come in with preconceived notions, not all good, right? And there's some legitimacy to that. But when they finally make their decision, Oftentimes, it's based on that human connection that they feel like that this person, the lawyer, the law firm, they actually care. They're not just selling. They're not just giving a line of bullshit. They're not overpromising. Nobody wants to feel that way. Nobody wants to feel sold. Everybody's had that experience, whether it's a door-to-door or telemarket. Nobody wants to feel sold. I don't care who you are. So I'm really proud because you and I, for years, have taken pride in when a prospective new client reaches out, 
and they're willing to spend the time with us, we're willing to spend the time with them. If it's a phone call, a Zoom, multiple emails, multiple calls, whatever it is. And we've always done that. And I'm grateful that our team is so customer service oriented that they're like that. But I, you know, we just got our first five-star Google review the other day from someone who hasn't even signed up as a client yet, unsolicited, unprovoked. And I've spent, I've probably done, I did one Zoom meeting on Saturday night for about two hours. Didn't plan for it to be that long, but it was a good conversation. And I wanted to make sure other questions were answered. We've had about five or six other phone calls and maybe I'm not even exaggerating a dozen emails exchange, all really meaningful. I mean, these are, these are smart prospective clients. They know a lot of the law. They have questions on, I want to answer that. I'm doing all this. I mean, I hope they hire me. I expect them to hire me based on our conversations, but even if they didn't, I don't feel like I've lost anything. I feel like I've helped guide them in a way. And then here they are, they leave me a five-star review. And that just makes me feel like, okay, we're doing this thing right. You know, because I, I don't know what's going to happen in the case, but I know that if I'm leaving them with that impression upfront, then I'm doing one little thing to maybe change the mind of people. Cause you know how people are. We do trials and we've talked about this and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but every fucking juror we talked to, I feel like it's like, Oh my God, a personal injury lawyer. This is a personal injury case. I can't do it. The TV ads, the billboards, the ambulance chasing. And you know what? It's we're never going to convince them all. And I've given up trying to do that. But if we can just convince a few along the way, I think we've done a good thing. Don't be so hard on Lake County like that. Don't, don't be so hard on them. More than that, and you know it like I know it. I, I think it depends on your jurisdiction. I mean, a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> I even talking to a client today, potential client, obviously USVI from, you know, from Kentucky was, you know, he's like, look, he's like, I even had reservations about filing a lawsuit. Like, because it's just I'm not that kind of person. And so, right. you know, it, and, and what his thought was, he said something that I thought was very um, – What's the word I'm looking for? Not insightful, but maybe it's insightful. But he's like, look, I felt that if I didn't do something, nothing would get fixed and the next person could be hurt. And I was like, mm, that's exactly right. Like yep. personal injury lawyers effectuate change and make the world safer for everyone. And the client got it, you know, like that's how why that's reason why he filed the lawsuit. So so it was it was a it was a, you know. Good conversation and just... I have a client right now that we just signed up this week that one of their... If not, it might be their primary motivation because something terrible happened and a family member's passed on and they're not coming back. So money's not going to fix it. And maybe that's part of the motivating reason why their their objective is a little different than the ordinary case. But the reality is they're very clear. They want to go after this, this bad actor company and get an outcome, a public judgment, that will disincentivize them from doing something like this in the future. Like, mm -hmm. sure, maybe they get a settlement that, you know, Joe Freed, we had him on. We talk about building in non-monetary terms for change in trucking cases. But, I mean, that's their mission here is not is to make recovery, but primarily for the reason that it'll hurt this company financially enough that they'll start making changes to avoid having something like this happen again. And uh, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that that's what... I mean, that's what you want to hear. I mean, that's what you want to see is like everybody's saying like, you know, let's make a difference. Let's do the right thing and make a difference. And if, if you come up short, hey, you took a shot. You know, I talk about, you know, that's not the kind of regret you'll have if you're able to do those things and take a shot versus someone like not trying at all, you know. Well, and I think this, um, if there's a theme to what we're talking about, it's like being service oriented and for the right reasons. So like, Anecdotally, I, I had a, a site inspection in a Georgia premises liability case. So 
you know, just generally speaking, because it's a pretty common thing, unfortunately, that happens. People book an Airbnb or a VRBO. They're on vacation, usually not in the place where they're from. And something happens. A deck breaks. They slip down the stairs. You know, whatever. doesn't matter. Something happens where they get hurt on the premises of the, the property that they're renting. So it's a pretty common type of case. So in one of those cases, we're in litigation. I need to do a site inspection. Well, the defendants... Um, which include the then owners of the property, they sold it. So they don't have the property, right? So now I've got to go bother this husband and wife, two physicians who've got 10,000 better things to do, but they bought the property. They now own it. I need to inspect the particular area where, where the incident happened and it's in their control. So I send this, you know, the notice out, I serve them with a subpoena. I I'm already imagining in my mind's eye, how fucking infuriated these people are. Oh my God, to be inconvenienced. And it's a vacation house for them. They don't. They live in Atlanta. This is like an hour away. Anyway, so we set it up. Our expert flies in from out of state. I drive in. We meet. And I'm just sitting there in the driveway. i be like, man, as soon as these homeowners show up, I already know they're going to be pissed. Anyway, the husband shows up. Um, he's a physician in the Atlanta area. Nice as could be. Totally understanding. Um, we get to talking. Anyway, the whole inspection may have taken an hour. We chewed the fat the whole time. Turns out we're, you know, we both spent time in New York because I'm from there. And there was a, a dozen other similarities. And here I am making this inroad with him. Here's the deal. At the end of the at the end of the conversation, we he asked for my cell phone. He exchanged it, information. Um, and he was just like, what a really what a really nice experience. And here I was going into it already as think he's gonna think I'm an asshole, I'm a ambulance chaser, I'm annoying, what and he came out of that himself feeling a bit enlightened and being like, wow, this is a good person and they're not they're not in this for the wrong reasons, even though we didn't even really talk about the case. We just talked about the law in general, medicine in general, the the, the uh, kind of introduction of private finance and corporate control over physicians and whether or not that's going to happen in in, um, in the law. And we talked about how, like, fortunately, there's only a handful of states where law practice is privatized. But anyway, the point is, I feel like I left there and he left there feeling like, you know what, these, these personal injury lawyers, they're not all bad. And for me, that made me feel good because the last thing I want to do is have this guy feel like, yep, he fulfills the stereotype, you know, some slick talking, ambulance chasing, inconvenient, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't, it wasn't that way. So that was nice. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, you know, the tort reform didn't get to him, you know, I mean, and, that, and that's, and that's good. I no, mean, but he sees, you know, th this is the thing is like, he's not a, he's not a lay person in the average sense because his colleagues, and I don't know about him, I didn't ask, it wasn't my business, but like he's in a profession where lawsuits get filed all the time. Medical negligence is a pretty damn common tort, right? So it's not like he's blind to it. You know, there's a lot of people that live their lives and hopefully, you know, they never get involved with the court system or litigation or claims at all, mm -hmm. at all. But there are some professions that are just, you know, construction workers, physicians, nursing, et cetera. You're likely going to deal with it. So, you know, I just assumed he would come into it harboring a lot of resentment. And it was the complete opposite. That's good complete man. opposite. That's there was awesome. just more understanding than I than I expected. So uh, that was refreshing. It was nice. Yeah, people and by the way, people in Georgia talking are, about are nice. Up, they're nice up there, though. They're nice up there in Georgia, man. Yeah, but he's not he's not even from. Well, whatever. You're right. And I mean, <laughs> people in Georgia are great. I love it here. But I don't think I guess what I'm saying is I don't think that situation I just didn't expect it would happen anywhere, but it did. Yeah. But since I'm talking about a site inspection, let me talk about substantive law stuff. If you're not doing site inspections in your premises liability cases, I, I, you're just shooting, you're cutting off both legs, bottom line. Um, 
I don't give a shit if it's a slip and fall in a Publix or at a VRBO or Airbnb property or wherever. Rare is going to be the case where it's a premises liability, slip, trip, and fall, or something falls off a shelf, or you're, you know, even if your client was attacked or beat up. Um, get out there, put boots on the ground, go see it. Because let me just tell you, this most recent example, and this is not the only one, it's just the most recent one, but when you go out there, like, so this is a case about a staircase, basically, a fall down stairs. And you, you or my client or defense counsel or an expert or some independent witness, you could describe to me in words a thousand different ways, whether you think it's safe or not, steep or not, slick or not, whatever. And that would leave an impression on me. I could see photographs, even with fucking measuring sticks. And that would add some context. But when you go out and you see it and walk it yourself or whatever, you know, fit the context in, it's a game changer. Like I, now you can immediately transport yourself into trial and you know exactly how you should describe it. And frankly, with this particular condition, I'm now inclined only because I saw it to say I might need to do a site inspection with the jurors because pictures and words won't do this condition justice. And so um, to the practitioners out there, believe me, I know the stress, especially those that deal with litigation, hearings, depositions, client meetings, whatever. You're busy. I get it. Like really busy. But prioritize these site inspections, especially in those cases where you want to get a good outcome. Because even if you don't try the case, if you've been there in defense counsel or insurer, the insurer hasn't, you know, this is, you have an advantage over them. And so I would just, I would encourage everybody to do that because every state that I'm aware of has some procedural mechanism to allow it. So. Yeah. You always learn good things and see different things, you know, and, and how better way to describe like, you know, in a slip and fall case, the, you can see all the things that are distracting an individual while you're there um, right. to better understand it and, and like to describe it to the jury if you've got that personal experience as well. So, you know, I think it's very effective. And by the way, if the defendant still has access to the property, they might they might make it more difficult than you think. Remember Home Depot years ago? They're, oh, we'll yeah. give you a site inspection, but for, we don't want to inconvenience our customers. Fourth, so it's got to be at 4 a.m. Yeah. Whatever it was. I think they thought for sure, they go, fuck yourself. We're going to court. I like, great. I'll see you tomorrow morning. And the lawyer's like, wait, what? And I showed up. I drove up there. It was like a three-hour drive. Drove yeah. up and did it. Anyway, to your to your larger point, which is like, even in those cases, walk the steps that your client walked, see what they saw, so that way you don't have to rely exclusively on them. Because the truth is, not everybody's a good historian. And not be, not because like they have faulty memory, but like not everybody's vocabulary is the same. People don't process images the same. People don't process memories the same. We see this all the time in depositions or when we're trying to, you know, aid in the preparation of filling out interrogatories. But like, if you've actually been there, you now no longer need to defer exclusively to somebody else because you've been there. You have that life experience. And I feel like jurors pick up on that. Or even if they don't, they can, dis they can discern a dif difference between like us when we're arguing about a case or giving an opening statement, right? And you're being descriptive about it versus the other side who may be a little bit canned and stilted and just talking generically. I, I'm sure jurors would pick up on it. I would, you know? Yeah, jurors are smart. But back to the point about Jordan being a cowboy. You yeah. know, 1 a.m., like, literally, like, they're like, you got to do it at 4 o'clock. All right, cool, fine, tomorrow morning. And he, literally, he drove up, and I remember the attorney was, like, surprised, like, Jordan, no, I'll call your bluff. You want to do it at 4 a.m.? I'll be there at 4 a.m. You know, and made people do it. We didn't expect any, and they FaceTime our expert. Our expert was like, I'm up. Yep. You know, so our expert was available at four o'clock or four thirty in the morning and we we did the inspection. Shout out to Jerry Bernbach if you've got like retail store type premises cases. He's solid. He's out in New York. 
lot of experience, and um, I think he brings a really dedicated approach to the test. So, free shout out there. Yeah, and and he's primarily for like a lot of the big box stores and defense cases. So right, that's you know, yeah. That's, so he that's knows the like. inside and out on both sides, and so you get you get him in there. You know, you're you're swinging. You're already ahead of the curve. So. <sighs> All right. Well, I'm kind of tapped out. I know we've got a ton of work to do, and um, we got the holidays coming up. So maybe we'll squeeze one more in before Thanksgiving. But if not, everybody out there. Wait, 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 wait. Before we leave, I have to know yeah. one thing right now. Do yeah. you have Christmas decorations up? I wish I could turn my camera. My Christmas trees are up. <laughs> Dude, so is your daughter upset with you about it? She's pissed. She went to soccer practice. So th- th- it's so funny we're recording today. Today is November 16th. Today, my wife put up all the stuff. And so my kids came home from school. Dom is excited. He brought, oh, my God. Kendall's like, Daddy, are you serious? And I was like, hey. So, so for those viewers out there, this is kind of like I'm with Kendall, right? So you still got Thanksgiving. You can't put up Christmas until Thanksgiving is done. Now, listen, the day at, like, Good Friday, I don't go shopping. We go out and get a tree and put it all up the next day. That's what Kendall thinks she wants to do. That's Jordan's daughter, for those who don't know. So we, we've had a conversation about this. No, I'm already – give me the Mariah Carey holiday CD. Let's just get it going. I mean, look, it's the – for me, it's the my favorite time of the year. My wife and I share that. Why not maximize it? You yeah. Know? No, I just – I was curious. And speaking of Mariah Carey, there was a guy – I thought it was a female pulled up this morning – Windows down, blaring Mariah. I mean, to the as loud as could. I heard him pulling in from the parking lot, and then he pulls in and parks, and it was a guy. It's like coming out, like just jamming to Mariah Carey as loud as can be. Surprising to me, you know that you know. Got to got to respect Mariah Carey. The Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, some of the best vocalists of of our young generation here. Yeah, I mean Mariah Carey's octave range was ridiculous but you know i like that she now knows that that is the holiday song that she has fun with there were like memes of like her coming around the corner for it. we're like we're not ready yet i mean that's kind of yeah. that's where you got but i'm so so i'm on team wait till after thanksgiving jordan's on uh before halloween so for Listen, Christmas. turkey i mean thanksgiving i look the idea behind it i'm all for and we're going to do it we're going to new york to spend some time with family enjoy that yard bird it's good, man. Get a little yard bird. You're good to go. You know, in that jellied can, uh, jellied cranberry sauce in the can. That's All right, my Justin, favorite. can we put up a poll? Because I'm I'm addicted to can pre-canned cranberry mold. I'll eat it right out of the can. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it mean, literally that's, is the best. It literally is the best. I can I can put one up a couple days before Thanksgiving. Yeah, we need a poll pre-Thanksgiving because I need to know where all my cranberry. Yeah, mold like is are you you like the pre-made like crunchy stuff in there no 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 or the jellied smooth you can slice it i remember i would be stuffed and full and i would get like two more pieces of cranberry sauce like oh my god it's not even are there even calories in that i don't even think i don't think there is i think it's just (laughs) just, so good it's just red fluffy air that's all (laughs) all right well listen we um this will probably be out before thanksgiving so for if we don't see you before then you guys have a great um, Thanksgiving holiday. Remember, you know what we're what we're gra- grateful for. I was going to say gratitude. What we're grateful for, and we're obviously grateful for all the listeners, people we have, and the opportunities we have in life uh, to just to share it with you guys. So uh, thanks for tuning Couldn't in. Said it better myself. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. One, two, three, four. There's nothing more thrilling than nailing an insurance company. And the truth. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Great moments 
are born in great opportunity.